Cincinnati. Welcome to episode 208 of Cincinnati, the Bengals UK podcast. My name is Paul Hirons. Welcome along. Uh, what are we now? A couple of weeks into free agency. Uh, there's a lot to talk about, actually, because it's been a fairly frenetic, crazy week. And here to digest it and to tell me how it all tastes is uh, Nathan Palmer. How's it tasting, Nathan? I'm not, I'm not quite sure I can tell you how it's tasting my sound, but it, it's, um, I don't know, really. Not only do I not know how it's tasting, I don't really know how I feel about it either. It's, uh, you might have to be my therapist for this evening to oh, try and Lord. make me understand exactly what I am thinking about this free agency period, because it's been a bit of an odd one, isn't it? Yeah. What do you think uh, uh, about breasts, Nathan? How have they played a part in your early life and, uh, Let's talk Probably about, best I don't say. Yeah, exactly. What about your mother and father? What? Uh, anyway, uh, right, yeah, there's a lot to get through. Uh, we've made some signings. We've lost a few more. Or have we? I can't remember. <laughs> Again, I have to use the caveat that we're talking on a Tuesday, Tuesday the 21st of March, and uh, things might change uh, by the time you listen to this podcast, we'll take everything a pinch of salt. So we'll just review everything that's taken uh, place in the last week and give you our two pennies worth. Um, so let's have a quick look, shall we? Last week, of course, we signed, woke up to the news, uh, the sensational news that we had signed uh, free agent tackle, left tackle, Orlando Brown Jr., um, we uh, also signed safety Nick Scott. We also re-signed Mac Sharping. Um, all all kind of happening, really. <laughs> I don't know where to start. It's crazy. And like you, I'm not quite sure how I feel about it. I was delighted by the Orlando Brown signing. I don't think anybody um, saw that coming. And I must recommend, if you are subscribed to The Athletic, go and read Paul Dana Jr.'s piece on... Uh, how that all came together is a pretty remarkable story, I have to say. And uh, speaking of Paul, uh, our, old, our, our old chum Paul, he will be joining us a bit later to give his thoughts on Bengals free agency so far. But Nathan, yes. Uh, so just to recap, we did we have lost Von Bell, Jesse Bates, Samaj P. Ryan and Hayden Hurst. Um, we're hoping that they were going to re-sign Hurst. That didn't happen. Uh, he's gone to the Panthers. And uh, even though, by all accounts, they were quite aggressive in making a play for Samaj Pirine, he chose to go to the Broncos. 
So we've lost, you know, four pretty key components of the AFC Championship winning team and AFC Championship runners-up team. Uh, but we have signed Caladomitis, Jalen Davis, Joe Bacci, Uncle Mike Thomas, Jermaine Pratt, Travion Williams, Orlando Brown, Trent Taylor, Cody Ford, uh, who is listed as a tackle, uh, safety Nick Scott, and... Uh, and, of course, Max Sharping as well for a little bit of extra depth on that offensive line. So um, lots of comings and goings, but I guess the headline is Orlando Brown. It's been talked uh, about to death. All I'll say is amazing value, actually, um, uh, for that signing when potentially he wasn't going to be fantastic value. But, uh, yeah, we've signed our left tackle, which has a knock-on effect because Jonah Williams has requested a trade, so yeah, just let's let's ta- let's uh, <laughs> tackle. <laughs> hey, hey, there we go. He says we're not the best podcast out there. Exactly, it's that kind of uh, segue that makes this uh, podcast uh, pure gold, I'd say. Um, but yeah, Orlando Brown. I think everyone's surprised. Everyone's delighted. Um, what were your thoughts, Nathan, uh, when you're having your your uh, Swiss muesli on that Thursday or Friday morning, whenever it was, the news broke? Oh, it was fantastic, wasn't it? Because you felt like it needed something like that. It felt a bit of an aim, slightly aimlessly drifting, didn't it? I think at points last week until that signing, that signing felt like a massive step in the right direction. Um, one of my bold predictions that we'd, we would sign a big name, potentially someone that you wouldn't expect. And I think, you know, even though he's a tackle or Brand- Orlando Brown's one of the biggest names out there in terms of um, free agents that are available. So I was delighted to see, you know, the Bengals continue to buck the trend in going out there and getting players and being aggressive. And you, like you said, it's quite a good deal financially. They sat there a little bit. They watched. You know, potentially teams didn't want to pay him top left tackle money. They maybe viewed him more as a right tackle. And you know, we've gone in there, told the geezer he's playing left tackle, got him on a fairly good deal. I mean, he's not. He's not. You know, I think from reading about him and having seen him play, and you know, you do all your sort of fact checking on him. He's not a top five tackle out there. Well, I was. Means, I wanted but, to. I wanted to. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think everyone's delighted that we've got him, obviously, but he's not a Trent Williams. He's not a Lane Johnson. Uh-huh. He's not a Tristan Wirfs. He's he may just scrape into the top ten or certainly in the top fifteen, perhaps. So when you when you kind of work that out, uh, he he got the money that perhaps he was due. You know, we all know that the left tackle market is hugely inflated because there aren't so many quality left tackles out there certainly in free agency and he was the best offensive lineman in free agency right so yeah i mean and he's not even 27 yet is he? he's only no, 20 right. years old so he's got a bit bit more room to potentially you know improve and show value and we said before with the offensive line we're not even asking for a rolls royce to be rolled out there you just want a fairly competent sort of top half you know even average i'm not even funny i think after the years we've had with the offensive line being as poor as it has been at times, you take over a 16th ranked offensive 
defensive line with the weapons and the, the quality we've got. You know, you're not asking necessarily for it to be a pro bowl, well beating line with Andrew Whitworth one side and Brown the other and, you know, all these sort of studs throughout it. You're just asking for it to do a sort of fairly competent job and not be, you know, constantly the Achilles heel of this team. And going out there and getting Orlando Brown, great move. The problem is... With this Jonah Williams requesting a trade situation, that concerns me. Because if Jonah Williams, you could have just plugged him in at right tackle, or there's even some chat about him playing guard, then you start to get quite excited. Because if you get Leo Collins back, you know, you've got um, the draft as well, where you potentially get some pieces. You've got Cordell Volson, you've got Capper and um, Ted Karras on that line. It, it looks like a good unit. You know, you've added a really quality piece. You're upgrading throughout, but you lose Jonah Williams, and you know, you get, I don't care what you get from a second or third round pick. I'm not anywhere near as positive about the draft in, as, as some other people are in terms of you know, sort of picking up and scooping up new picks because you know we need to win now, and it's it's hard for any guys to come in and make a massive impact year one and. You know, we probably upgrade the left tackle position with Orlando Brown over Jonah Williams. I don't think. Oh, hundred percent. I mean, you look at. Yeah, no, I mean, Jonah had a bit of a stinker last yeah, year. Yeah, no, he say. did. And you know, we, we if you're talking about you know Orlando Brown being maybe say a, the tenth best, the twelfth best left tackle, you'd maybe say Jonah's probably in the mid twenties somewhere realistically. I mean, his PFF rating was way down the bottom. You look at this sacks that he gave yeah. up and all the rest yeah. of it. So, just on those, you know, you might want to take those with a pinch of salt, but. Just on the, the eye test last year, I mean, certainly started off quite poorly. Settled down as the rest of the line settled down and played reasonably well. And then, of course, sadly, he got injured just before the playoffs, you know. And he also played with a dislocated knee, which sounds the most painful thing yeah. in the world. So he had an up-and-down year. I mean, maybe Stinker's a bit too harsh. But I think I think Orlando Brown represents a pretty significant upgrade. Yeah, I, I, I do agree. Um, but you kind of want to keep Jonah and uh, you build yeah. your strength in depth because this is the problem, isn't it? You know, as we saw last year with Jonah going down, Leo Collins going down, you know, Alex Kappa went down, then you, you, you paper thin again. And I know the Bengals, you know, it doesn't by any means, I don't think that signing of Orlando Brown, I don't think it rules out as taking a tackle in the first or second round, maybe the first round, but I still think they'd be very open to, to drafting for that offensive line um, in round two and three. So, you know, it remains to be seen, but that's the only thing that potentially put a slightly sour taste. The question will be is who wants to pick up that contract and who wants to trade away, yeah, a, yeah, you know, yeah. a second or third round pick. I don't think anyone for a second thinks you're going to get a first for Jonah Williams. I think you'd be really disappointed if you got worse than a third. Um, he's got a fairly high cap hit. Um, and there's frankly, I don't think that many teams out there that need a left tackle at this point. So yeah. it is a difficult one. And Not I, yet. You know, I mean, Paul talks about that in the chat, so I don't want to spoil that. But yeah, it's a really interesting one because you've got two pretty heavy cap hits on that line. And that's Leo Collins and uh, Jonah this year. Um, I don't think we keep both. And I don't think you can just plug someone in at right tackle. Um you know, there's there's a skill to you know you have to change up the way you work. He's not played right tackle in the NFL before. I think mm. he's had a little bit of experience way back in his early, perhaps high school or college career. Maybe someone will correct me if I'm wrong. But you can't just. I mean, it takes some doing. That's all I'm saying. Just say, look, look, mate, you're now a yeah, right tackle. 
And I, and I actually, do you know what? I don't blame Jonah for feeling pissed off or, um, you know, snubbed. I really don't. But also, I don't blame the Bengals either. It's just because, by all accounts, they weren't planning to sign Orlando Brown. They didn't go out looking for him. They yeah. were kind of focused on stock restocking the safety position where they were bare, the tight ends, trying to figure out what they were going to do at running back, trying to kind of figure out what they were going to do at right tackle. And then suddenly you've got this star guy you know, you get a call from his agent saying, "Hey, are you going to be interested? Would you be interested in Orlando Brown?" And suddenly, you know, you've got to you've got to move. You know, you can't yeah. let these sort of players slip through your fingers. Um, and I, I, I don't, bl- as I say, I don't blame Jonah for being pissed off because he must feel snubbed and he doesn't want to play right tackle at this moment in time. But I also don't blame the Bengals because they were offered an upgrade at a premium position yeah um, for a decent price as well for a decent price decent value it's a state if you I'm sure the Bengals don't give a a flying you know what about this but for us fans you know it's like it's a pretty big statement signing you look yeah. at where he's come from the Chiefs um, yeah. one of our main rivals in the AFC yeah, as things yeah. currently start every, they just tick Every single box that you can think of with this signing, I think. So it's gonna. I mean, I, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Maybe closer the draft towards the draft that they might deal him if they get something in, that they like in return. They, you know, it might be during camp when someone else goes down. There's roster cuts and all this and all that. Um, who knows? But I would be surprised to see uh, both Collins and. Uh, Williams on the same team next year. I have to say, uh, and of course, yeah, cut. And of course, you know, you look at Twitter and everything. Everything's going, yeah, cut him because it saves twelve million or whatever. Cut this guy because we saved blah blah. And yeah, it is true, but um, we're just gonna have to wait and see. Again, it's it's playing the waiting game, isn't it? Really, and sussing things out and all the rest of it. So, I mean, very much like you say, working from the left outwards in Orlando Brown Cordell Volson Ted Carras Alex Kappa and TBD and you've got to throw Cody Ford into the mix I wasn't a huge fan of the Cody Ford signing um, no. but he's played guard for the majority of his NFL career but they've come out and said yeah he's going to be a right tackle for us so yes it's depth Um and he's got significant experience in the NFL, and he was a relatively high draft pick as well, and he played with Orlando Brown uh, at college. So, I mean, I guess they're hoping they could try and get more out of Cody Ford than he's shown already in the NFL. Um, and he's, I guess, experienced depth at that right tackle position. But, yeah, obviously there's a lot of uncertainty there, and you feel that one thing has got to happen before the other, whether it's kind of they... Det- determine whether Leo Collins is fully fit before they make a decision uh, at that position or whether they get a decent trade offer from another team. It might be picks in this draft or it might be a player. Do you know what I mean? One one of those things needs to happen before they they make a decision, I think. Um, I'm not quite sure what I want to do at right tackle and 
like you say, that's sort of worrying me because I don't know what I want to do at tight end and I don't want to, don't know what I want to do at running back well, either. So was, there's a lot of work to be done here. Yeah, I was going to say that because it, it does feel like that at the moment, doesn't it? it you know, it's, we're a week into free agency or over a week into free agency now. A lot of the main people are off the board. You're into that sort of third, fourth wave now of signings. Still some good players out there for sure, but you are looking at that and you're thinking – um, especially at tight end, I thought that was one that just you know was a real shocker, really for Hayden Hurst. And you know, you, you it wasn't like so this. much for me though. I know that you, yeah. I wasn't so much. But they, I, I, I think they 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 seem to be in the habit of flipping tight ends. You know, they do a decent like CJ did a decent job for a year. He gets more money elsewhere. Hayden came in, helped to resurrect his career, did a good job. Off he goes for more money. Um, so who's going to be this year's well, I think, uh, I think Hayden Hurst, you know. That, they they think. probably think that you can, like, you know, not to by any means do down Hayden Hurst or CJ Ozama, but I guess the Bengals' rationale is that, look, you've got a hell of a talent pool around Joe Burrow. You kind of throw most tight ends of any significance in there and they're going to make plays and they're going to do a good job. But I'm sure the Bengals, I think everyone really thinks the Bengals are going to be drafting a tight end inside the first three rounds of the NFL draft bit of a risk because you know like we said it is it's difficult for rookies to just come in and light it up and perhaps do what you need them to do and block correctly and you know learn the scheme and everything else but you know I I, I fully expect the Bengals to get a tight end I think Foster Moreau would be perfect I think he's actually a very good player I've had him on my fantasy team before I've watched quite a bit of him as a result he's quite a good player and I actually think with a connection with Joe Burrow I think he'd be a really nice person to come in like you said maybe for a year maybe for two years whatever um, but we should also temper it by saying Foster Moreau isn't a world beater right no but he's, he's a he's not gonna he's be, solid he's not player gonna up, yeah he's not gonna be putting up eight nine hundred yards and 20 touchdowns but he is someone that could come in and fill that Hayden Hurst role and yeah you still got to draft a tight end I think you're going to be looking in probably the second round for someone yeah, like yeah. that maybe even the first and you pair the two of them together Moreau and you know the younger guy and could you it be Washington could it be Laporta you know yeah I agree yeah, exactly. I, I think I think again patience is necessary and if it doesn't happen to be Foster Moreau he came in for a visit and then went off to New Orleans uh, obviously an LSU guy so he's connections with both the Bengals and New Orleans so just gonna have to wait really it's a bit annoying I know that the world and certainly social media is not good at waiting for things at the moment but yeah you know I mean I'm okay with that I'm okay with I mean you've got Irv Smith out there former second round pick yeah could do a job Mercedes Lewis is about Hooper's still out there isn't he Ooh, I think he might have signed with someone he's certainly visiting with someone I think um Mercedes Lewis, I mean, he's only 68, so uh, certainly a bit of juice left in his tank. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, there's some functional guys out there, and as I say, yeah, if you get some potential in this draft, and as I say, you know, we're looking at quite a, a deep draft of tight ends, then that's okay. And then you could feasibly bring back Mitchell Wilcox on a cheap one-year deal or whatever drew sample you know why not for a, a year as a third tight end do you know what i mean um yeah so tbd there um safety is looking a little bit uh, more solid we signed nick scott from the rams and i know that he didn't have a very good pff grade last season but everything you hear about him 
people love him. I mean, look at his story. He worked up, seventh rounder, worked his way up, uh, was a key special teamer, then was thrust into a starting position, excelled, part of the Rams Super Bowl team that beat us, played pretty well in that game, likes to hit very hard. Uh, listen, there's a few things out. I mean, I when you lose someone like Jesse Bates and Von Bell, there is going to be a drop-off. There, there is, I'm, I'm sorry, but those guys played together for a couple of years. They're both good players. They were both completely in sync with one another, in sync with the secondary. There is going to be a drop-off. There really is. And um, How long for? I'm not sure. Um, but I'm excited to see what Nick Scott does. As I say, all the Rams fans have been really upset about losing him. They think he's a great player. So, you know, you look at those intangibles, and again, you know, he seems... Um, he seems you think it was Nick Scott and um, Dax Hill week one? Yeah, I think so. Don't you? If it is, it, it does make me nervous. I'm not going to lie. Um, but then again, you, there there was going to have to be change in that position anyway, you know. Yeah, and there just, was all, even if even if we kept Von Bell, there was always going to be some drop off. I think. But the key thing is for how long. Now I look at what Lou Anarumo did with Cam Taylor Britt last year. Do you remember when he came in? There was a few blown players. Yeah. He looked a bit. Yeah dodging coverage and then suddenly it clicked and he, he played like an absolute animal the the last quarter of the season and you would hope something like that happens a few dodgy moments but then they settle down as a partnership and both individually as well I mean Nick Scott is a veteran I mean he's only what been a start for a year or so but yeah you, you look at I mean, they may even draft another safety as well. Tyson Anderson waiting in the wings, obviously. But yeah, my yeah. point is there is always going to be a drop off, and we have to expect that. You know. No, I think for sure, like you know, you'd argue Jesse Bates and Von Bell are top five safety duo in the league. I mean, they're seriously good players, um, and like you said, there is going to be a drop off. Dax Hill just impossible to say what you got, isn't it? Really, I mean, you, you when he came out of college, people were quite high on him. People were very happy when we picked him for the most part didn't do a whole lot last year made a couple of mistakes but you know you expect that out of a rookie so but also looked pretty good as well i thought yeah i mean i, I think really for daxiel it's going to be a massive training camp for him i think people are going to be watching him very closely in pre-season to see how he looks and you know he's a big opportunity for nick scott because he you know he's coming into a um a bit of a smaller fish tank in some ways than you've got in la you know the rams got a lot of big star names on both sides of the ball you know big market and he's coming into the bengals as a starter and someone who's played and really he's going to be thrust in there and we're going to need him you know he's alongside a you know a young player going into his first proper year where he's going to be starting so for the two of them if they're the guys that suit up and you're relying on them it is going to be um yeah it's going to be you've got to hope they learn quick and they get off to a good start but you know this is the balancing act isn't it you you talked about you know building a roster and the dynamics of it and the costs of it you've got to go light in some areas you can't just load up in every every part of the roster and you know what if we were sitting here saying look you know you've got the option of having an incredibly good left tackle in Orlando Brown playing left tackle where we've been moaning for years that we can't get the offensive line right there's no good players on there you know we can't draft anyone you've gone out and got you know a superstar really in terms of what was available at that left tackle spot in exchange for okay you're going to go a bit light on safety and let you know von bell go i think most people as much as they like von bell would probably say actually do you know what give me the stud left tackle so 
yeah, that that's kind of I think where we are. I, the running back situation feels extremely unsolved as well. I think yes. a lot of people. Uh, Joe Mixon's going to go or there's certainly going to come some sort of contract restructure with him but then you've got nothing in the cupboard apart from our friend Travion Williams and you know we had Travion Williams on the podcast he's a lovely guy he's in incredible shape he's got the great attitude you know that's great but you know we haven't seen a lot of him on the field he's been around for a while now you can't I mean you could maybe ask him to step up into that sort of backup um, you know, get 10, 20% of the carries type of role, see how he does. You're going to need a, you know, a sort of stud back going into next season. If that's not Joe Mixon, there's not many great free agents out there at the moment, apart from Ezekiel Elliott. But yeah. he's not a stud anymore. He's way kind of... Yeah. yeah. And I, I, I just don't think you need his personality coming into the locker room, really. I just, I'm not sure that's no, going to be agree. Bengals want. He's also going to want quite a lot of money. I just don't think you need that kind of, you know, sort of... You don't need to run him back on the way down either. I mean, Zeke, well, that's an incredible player. He's had a very good career. Well, yeah, but... because you're just swapping one... I mean, the argument is exactly. that, that Mixon is kind of on the way down now after a an average season last year you know barring one incredible game against the Panthers um, that's the argument uh, but why would you swap one guy for another guy on the way down do you know what I mean it doesn't make sense and, oh, and Ezekiel is going to want a decent bit of money I would have thought but again that that's something the Bengals you know if the Bengals keep paying Joe Mixon I think there's a consensus among Bengals fans and experts alike that actually it's not a very good deal really for what they're getting production wise and they're getting yeah. talent wise and obviously been a couple of you know incidents allegedly that have occurred in the offseason well he's been found not guilty of pretty much everything hasn't he so yeah but but again yeah like, again you oh, don't know you know um yeah. i don't know man there i don't know if there is a consensus at the moment because a lot of people out there are kind of you know there's a bit of a twitter powwow at the moment, between the Mixon, the team Mixon camp, and the team Cut Mixon camp, and the team Mixon camp are currently uh, accusing the team Cut uh, Mixon camp of uh, of all sorts of things, um, and it's all getting a bit silly, really. But I don't think one. If you if you are of the opinion that you'd like to cut Joe Mixon, it's not a personal thing at all. It's not. You know, it's just it's just one of those things. You know, as you say, he's going to be getting paid twelve million this year. What could that twelve million be used for? Um, what uh, could that does that does that represent good value for the, the production that he's giving us at the moment? I, yeah, I think exactly. it's a fair argument to say no. Um, yeah. The Bengals are um, super loyal to the guys that they love, and they love Joe Mixon. So, I mean, personally, it wouldn't surprise me if he stuck around. Whether no. he takes a pay cut, that's another that's another uh, issue in time. I can't. Can you imagine? Would you take a pay cut? St- I don't know. Would you? Would you take a pay cut at work? Uh, you know, would you feel snubbed or would you feel? I, I think for Joe Mixon, if he was going to take a pay cut, the, the situation would come down to look. Well, if we cut you, you're going to probably get less money, and you're going to be on a yeah, yeah. You know, God knows where of a team. You know, you might end up at the the Texans or. Who've you been know, signing so, uh, some good players, though, you know? They've yeah, been no, some good you, I know it's what you hard, mean. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's hard in the NFL, isn't it? Because you, you could say, you know, you try and think of the team that's been the worst performing and has the least chance next year. But like you said, it, all it takes is, as we know very well, one good off-season, a few good draft picks, and, you know, all of a sudden you could be in contention again. So you can't really do any team down in the off-season too much. But 
I don't know. I mean, it is a difficult one, isn't it? And I think I'm I'm okay if they keep Joe Mixon because at the end of the day, we know what we're getting. He's a decent running back. You know, you'd hope that um, he he can work hard this offseason. He's still a young guy. I mean, we're acting like he's 35. He's not even close. So, you know, he's still got some juice left in the tank. I'm sure he'll be eager to prove it. You know, he's not really got anyone... Um, at the moment, any veterans around that to give him any competition? I'm sure the Bengals will want to bring someone in, or at the very least, draft someone fairly high, regardless of, you know, whether they keep him or not. But the problem with the money side of things about cutting him, it's like if you cut him, great, you save a load of money, that add that to the cap, and you know, it's the same with those people that are talking about Jonah and trading him, cutting him, you know, add that money to the cap, call the cap massive again. Are you spending it on you? It's not just a case of just throwing it around. There's a you know, a lot yeah, because we're now down to like the third wave of free agency. The, yeah, you know, the... exactly, and, and there's not frankly that many unless you go out there trading for people and adding yeah, them to yeah, cap yeah. that way. That's not really the Bengals' style. And then you know, frankly, there's just not that many good players out there and you know Joe Mixon's probably the best running back out there at the moment in free agency so whoever you're going yeah. out there and getting and saving the money you, you, you know you are making a you know you are making the team worse on the on the vague hope that you know you draft a running back in you know round two three four whenever it might be that's going to come in and you know be better than him now I know you know, running backs, you can have success in the draft quite quickly. Yeah, um, and there's a good there's a good bunch of running backs this year, as there always is. Yeah, yeah there's, there's no doubt, but it's still you. It's not by any means a guarantee that you go and draft a guy. No, but then the again, I mean, that's how it works, Nathan. Surely, I mean, yeah. you've got to keep drafting players, and that's what we're going to be doing in the next few it's years. When when my argument is, is if you and I was one that's been fairly keen on doing this, but if you do go and get a running back in round three, and you say right. You know, let's plug him in and start him. Mixon's been cut and we signed. I know Damian Harris has been signed, but I'm just sort of off the top of my head. Someone yeah, who's yeah. a basic sort of, you know, been around the league a bit, sort of running back like him or Raheem Mozart or whoever. You have that, them two as your you running back duo, you could regress. You know, the team could be worse. The blocking could be worse. The cap, You know, the, it could take a while for them to yeah, get... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, McKinnon from Kansas yeah, City it, is still out there, you know, so... Yeah, there's, there's, yeah, I suppose so. But, I mean, I, I, I really like Matheson from uh, Minnesota, but he, he re-signed with the Vikings. Um, but yeah, it's, I mean, I mean, if you were to review what's been going on the last couple of weeks, I mean, you'd say that we'd got better on the offensive line, which is... Yeah, on the offensive line, yeah, yeah. Uh, we got worse at running back because we lost P. Yeah. Ryan and there's a lot of uncertainty at um, uh, with Mixon. Uh, it still stays the same. It's a pretty <laughs> underpopulated tight end room at the moment, so I'm sure they'll address that. Even though we've signed Nick Scott, I would say we're still the same at safety. So, again... Oh, no, uh, we were much worse at safety. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, I mean, we yeah. were we were a bit in trouble at safety when Von Bell left. Uh, yeah. And even though Nick's got, even though, you know, let's hope that he works out great and there's no reason why he shouldn't. He's got all the physical at attributes. He's got all the intangibles. Uh, and he's working with a defensive back-centric defensive coordinator in Lou Anarumo. And yeah. he's working with a good secondary coach, a defensive back coach in Robert Livingston. So everything's in his favour. Do you know what I mean? Everything is in his favour. But at this moment in time, you know, it's it's uh, losing Jesse. There is going to be a drop-off initially, but I'd love them to surprise me. I'd love Dax Hill to just kind of oh, stamp his authority on this team. I'd love Nick Scott to, to do the same. There's absolutely no reason why they shouldn't. They're physically gifted guys. They're smart. 
Dax Hill was a first round pick for a reason. He's got all the potential in the world. Um, but that's how big. That's how really good teams are built as well. You need yeah. some surprises on cheap contracts. If someone like Dax Hill turns up this season and playing in the seventies in PFF and he gets a nod to the Pro Bowl and you don't ever expect it, that that's what the Bengals have done so brilliantly over the last couple yeah. of years in yeah. free agency. He's getting fantastic value out of players on not mentally expensive deals. You know, just really like Cheeto, like Cheeto, Cheeto. you know, perfect example. And Eli Apple, people like that. That you know, you're not paying necessarily crazy top dollar money that people are going to be falling off their. Chair shares at but you're getting that sort of production from them and I think that's where this season people like Dax Hill and Scott if they can have a really good year and uh, surprise people and actually you know what you're perceiving to be a weakness is actually a bit of a strength that's when a team can become a really good football team as you've not got too many holes um, to be found and of course I wouldn't discount Eli Apple coming back at some stage, to be honest with you, but uh... I, think, I think that's a smart move for the Bengals. I know, I know that he's a bit like Marmite Eli Apple, probably you know slightly worse than Marmite for two opposition fan bases. But I, I don't think he'll come on. What's, what's worse than Marmite? Then I don't know. What's what's like like oh like what, like what's like one of those like, like oysters? Oh right, <laughs> right. Like most people dislike them, but yeah. the other people don't like them. Um, yeah. yeah, but I think he's a sort of geezer that if you can bring him back as a depth piece, he, he likes to be here. The, most of the Bengals fans like him. I think for the most part, he's played fairly well. I don't think he'd command crazy money. Um, I wouldn't be against a signing like that, really. Um, but yeah, that does feel like a lot of work to do because you can only really say that, yeah, cool, you know, Orlando Brown, incredible signing. The offensive line got better. That's the biggest position of need for us. So you've done a fantastic job there for the Bengals. Rest of the offense, you'd say, yep, yeah, fine, apart from tight end, but there's a massive, like you said, gaping hole. Defense, you're worse at safety, but you knew that. You're as good, you're as good pretty much elsewhere, I would say. Yeah, so and that's just... the important thing to remember. Even though there are, there is some work to do, I mean, for some perspective, go and look at the wide receiver room. Go and look at the quarterback room. Go yeah. and look at the uh, defensive line. Yes, there's probably going yeah. to be some recruitments there as well at some stage. Uh, go and look at the linebacking room. Go and look at our kicker. Uh, maybe not the punter. Yeah. Um, uh, go and look. You know what I mean? Go and look at our coaches. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. uh, so it's Are like, oh, actually, things aren't that bad. Coming in as well, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, uh, let's bring in our special guest to see what he says about it. And as promised, we do have a special guest guest this week. It's your friend of mine, Paul Jazz Dana Jr. And I, I, you know why I've called him Jazz if you just listened to him wow. and Jay's. Um, this is a quick turnaround by you, Paul. I don't mess around, mate. You know, you know, should know me by now. Um, I mean, man, this, we just talked about this. Yeah, I'm not going to give it away, so you, you'll have to go <laughs> listen to hear, hear that podcast growling. But yes, it's Paul Dana Jr. Uh, coming back on to Cincinnati. Always a pleasure. Paul, it's great to see you again. It's good to see you. What's going on? How are things on the other side? Okay, we're just gearing up to the end of the uh, football season. I know you probably don't want to talk about that. Um, I, I I just I just glance at the table once a week with like like this, you know, just through this. Oh, where's it? Where we end up? You know, it's yeah, right. Yeah, so yeah. close. I just I can't. Relegation battles are just not something for my my heart to withstand. No, I don't think that's not what I signed up for. No, right, right. I signed up to follow a team that has like was never relegated. It was the reason I picked them because they never relegated, and they're just no. gonna. Be, and now here I am in these deep sweats, much less 
you know, hardware. I mean, right. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's like the Bengals in the nineties all over again, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. How about 10th on the table? I'll take that at this point. You'd take that. You'll take that. Um, <laughs> another thing that's getting your heart racing and pounding and uh, making things a bit unrelenting is this free agency period. And I wanted to get you on because, you know, you know your onions, shall we say, and uh, you and Jay do great work on The Athletic. Um, and it's been another busy free agency period. After, I think most Bengals fans were kind of expecting them to really concentrate on signing their own and there wasn't going to be too much activity. And I guess in in com- compared to recent years, there's not been as much activity, but there seems to be stuff every day and of course we like you guys we're giving out the caveat that things things that we may discuss now might not be relevant in around 20 seconds time it is that time yeah of year. yeah um i guess uh i wanted to ask you what what's what's been the biggest surprise for you in free agency for the bengals so far well i don't know how it isn't the big story i mean i don't know how it isn't orlando brown i mean there's this was not this is one of the biggest surprises i mean in in that i can remember covering this team i mean because it's they were active in recent years but the activity was predictable in a lot of ways whether you're talking about dj reader or trey hendrickson i mean it, they they were going out there to to try to fix their roster and and even those you know there're things that you saw coming <clears throat> This was the opposite of what they've done. It's the opposite of what they thought they were going to do and just a move that's very unbengals like, but I I just think that it was it was strictly what you talked about, the unpredictability of free agency that put them in a position to say, "Hey, this has shown up on our radar and everything has gone wrong on the other side with Pirine and Von Bell and Hayden Hurst. And obviously you knew Jesse Bates was leaving, but all of this stuff that you thought maybe was going to be, what was going to happen had fallen through. Um, and you're sitting there and all of a sudden Orlando Brown says he wants to come to Cincinnati and, and they had to weigh it. And the fact that they found a way to do it, pulled the trigger uh, was one of the biggest surprises that we've seen um, from them in a long time. And, and it was, a, a huge splash that's got reverberations for a number of years now. Um, you wrote a, a terrific piece for the Athletic on the process of signing Orlando Brown. What happened behind <laughs> the scenes? There's some great yeah. little nuggets in that story. That again, I don't want to give too much away, but you know where Zach was when he found out about the signing, and it really does give a flavour of perhaps what really happens in free agency because at the moment as i'm sure that you're aware on twitter people are just going nuts sign this guy sign that guy you've got to go out and do this you've got to you know there's a i'll get onto this in a moment but there's a furious joe mixon debate uh going on at the moment with okay. among fans um but I, I think um your piece just illustrates it's not quite as easy just as just go out and sign someone right no, I mean it's it's a two to tango situation. I mean, you you have to have people that want to be where you are, that are that want to that you have agreement on the numbers and and that fit you. And as much as you think 
you can plot. Like it's just so unpredictable. It's people's lives. I I just think one thing that gets lost is everybody views it through a usually through their team's own prism and balance sheet. And these are just these are people who are trying to figure out their their careers, their personal lives, where they want to be, what's best for them. All of those things are part of this. And and so and that's across every decision. And they each they all have domino effects on each other. And so to say that you ever have a feel for how things are going to go, you don't. The key word that I kept trying to find new words for I needed to break the thesaurus out is pivot because you have to do it so many times. You have to be so prepared to pivot to assure you get the value out of the money that you want. And that's the Bengals golden rule. They, it's why they've traditionally not lived in the first wave. It's why they've picked their spots very carefully uh, whenever they do spend a lot of money because their main focus is on getting value out of every dollar that they have available to them that they're going to spend up to the cap. And that mm-hmm. means not going over what they think your value is to them in this under these current deals. And mm-hmm. that's why they, as much as they wanted to keep Von Bell, as much as they wanted to keep Hayden Hurst, as much as they wanted to keep Samaj P. Ryan, they just couldn't go to where the other teams were willing to go. And good for those players. And same thing with Jesse Bates, but that's been decided for a while. So when the value comes back to them with Orlando Brown, there's the value. It's not the way they thought it was going to come. They didn't think it would come in one $16 million chunk and a $31 million signing bonus cash payout, but it, it, that's where it showed up in, in one big swing. And that was the most valuable thing. They got a second wave player or second wave price on a first wave player. And that is a huge difference. And that, and that's the ability to pivot on the fly Sometimes makes you end up in places you didn't think you were going to end up, but mm-hmm. you you have to be willing to do that because it's the the most un, one of the most unpredictable things when you're dealing with players and agents and families and all the other stuff. Um, going back to Orlando Brown, um, his signing has had a knock on effect, a considerable knock on effect, right on on the offensive line as a whole. You've got Jonah now feeling perhaps a little bit snubbed and worried about his future in terms of money, uh, asking for a trade. Uh, You've got Leo Collins, a lot of people calling for him to be cut after what happened his performance last year. And also the fact that there's no guarantee that he's going to come back firing on all cylinders from his ACL injury. So, and then you, then the Bengals go out and sign, Cody Ford, list him as tackle. Um, where do you see that group at the moment? What do you expect to happen uh, with that group? Uh, that will gain clarity later. <laughs> I just, they, I think it's just throw it all at this position and let's see what sticks. Let's see if Collins looks great coming off the ACL in August. Let's see if they can talk to Jonah Williams and and talk to him about moving to the right side and and come to an agreement on what to do. Um let's see if Jackson Carmen takes to the right side. Let's see what happens at the number 28 overall pick. Maybe that is the answer and it allows you to move on. The other four spots are set and they're set for multiple years. 
The, mm-hmm. the right side is just something that they've just got to kind of figure out. They have a lot of solid options that it feels like one of them should pan out between a pick, Jonah, Collins, Carmen. I don't think it'll be Ford, but I think he's in the mix. They're willing to give him a chance, you know? Yeah. So I just think they're giving it time. And mm-hmm. there's no rush on any of it. They want to give Collins the full opportunity to see how healthy he can get before they make a decision. They don't, they're not up against it on the cap. They don't need that money tomorrow. They're not going to need it to pay draft picks. They mm-hmm. can take their time with it. And that works for Jonah in the terms of if another team loses a left tackle in camp, mm-hmm. um, guess what? They get a little more desperate to make a pit to make a a, a move. And they're willing to take on his salary or majority of it and and give up a player in order to secure their line. Um, maybe that's what happens. Or, you know, or 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 any number of things. So yeah. I just think to me, it feels like everything needs some time to settle and to to weigh all your options and go forward. Uh, I don't see a world where Williams and Collins are on this team opening day, but I do th- think that both are viable options to be on the team opening day. It's just a right, matter yeah. of kind of how it all works. Cause they'll, so they'll save some of that money somewhere. Cause they let go Collins. It's a big save on cap hit and money. They can save. They trade Jonah. Even if they have to mm-hmm. eat some, you're saving a lot of money there. So money will be saved. It's just a matter of what they feel like the best option is. Sure. Um, one thing that I, I constantly try and tell people, not that I know anything about, anything at all but maybe i've got a little bit of experience um free this first wave second wave of free agency is just the first part in a process of roster building over the off season right you've got the draft you've got roster cuts etc cetera, etc cetera. so um but with all that being said and i'm fairly calm about how the bengals will be in terms of fielding a competitive stroke winning team in September. I am a bit perplexed about this running back position. I don't know what to think about Joe Mixon because he's been super productive, obviously a fan favorite, a locker room stalwart, the energy that he brings. He didn't have a great year last year. Um, There's some off season stuff that, you know, he's not guilty of, but I think optics wise, not, fantastic no uh a lot of people want to cut him and i think that is down to just social media and people just seeing easy cuts and money saving options but you're talking about the bengals here who love mixing and they they remain very loyal to their guys right uh and in some cases in the past you could argue perhaps a little bit too loyal uh on occasion um where do you see the whole mixing thing at the moment it obviously p round's not coming back so i think they they will draft someone in their kind of sweet spot of second third round but yeah mix is a difficult one i'm not quite sure what to where or what to think about what they might do with joe mixon well i think it starts with they're going to approach him he's not going to he can't play on the current deal it's too big they're not going to pay him you know the cash payout is 10 million this year and 10 million next year and you know, the dead money is sort of, it's a thing they've already paid out. It's kind of a sunk cost. They're not going to give Joe Million Joe Mixon $10 million this year. Mm. They're not going to do that. It's not what he's worth. It's not his value. And so they're going to approach him 
with a restructure of a pay cut. And mm. you're going to say, look, here's here's what we see your value as. Um, we, we are willing to give you this, or we can let you go and you can go see what you can get on the open market. We're, mm. That's up to you. It's your choice. And most guys don't want that. Most guys are not going to take a pay cut and go back to the work to the office. These are right. prideful, competitive dudes. He's been a captain, the mm. centerpiece of this team to get the demoralizing hand of a pay cut is a tough one. Now, maybe it, there, we're seeing more of it. Like we, I've never seen so many pay cuts as we've seen in the NFL this last month. Mm. I mean, guys are openly comfortable taking it, doing it. And returning, so maybe it does happen. And and there's a big part of me that says because of what's happened in the optics of the off the field stuff, and him already obviously having the issue that happened in Oklahoma with Amelia Molitor and the punch, that you you already have an optics you have an optics issue whether you feel like you are innocent or not. Mm. Um, and you put that with on field performance that. Look, he is what he is. He's an aging running back who's ton of, had a ton of hits on him. That's what happens. You, you, your Ezekiel Elliott's out there for a reason. Joe Mixon is the same concept. He's just, it's not going to be the same. Uh, mm. He's, he's appears to be on the other side of the, of the hill on that one. So they're going to offer him that. He can choose to take it or not. I, I don't know that he's going to get more than what they're probably going to offer him, but I, I don't, I don't know how deep of a pay cut that is. Mm. Um, it's probably not a whole lot. So he will probably, at that point, have to make a decision. If he comes back, he's in the mix, and and he'll be able to he'll be a part of the equation at running back. They're going to draft somebody. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. um, I don't I don't know where it goes next, but I think that's the next step. Um, we are recording this on Tuesday, the twenty first of March. Um, it feels likely that the Bengals may sign a tight end in the forthcoming hours a day two days three days whatever foster moreau is the one that everyone's talking about how do you see the tight end room paul um i think it's as you as you've been talking about it's a very deep uh tight end class so you've got to assume that there will be a fairly high pick uh for a tight end um do you expect them to to pick up a, a veteran um yeah yeah somebody i mean that we we've been joking around about the Bengals tight end room. It's just a room with chairs. There's no people in it right now. Like they don't they don't have anybody. They don't have Hurst yeah. is gone. Drew Samples a free agent. Mitchell Wilcox is a free agent. I guess Devin Asiasi is still there. I mean they they need bodies. And Foster Moreau makes too much sense. They brought him in because they have interest. He played with Burrow at LSU. He's young. You know, I think that eventually gets done. It makes too much sense. If you're a tight end, how do you not want to come here? Right. He just made CJ Uzama seven plus million dollars. He just made Hayden Hurst three years, 20 plus, I mean, seven, eight million dollars. Like you mm-hmm. come here, Burrow helps you put up numbers and look great. You do, and you get paid elsewhere. It's it's a great spot to be if you're a tight end. It makes all the sense in the world for Foster Moreau to come here and them to spend a draft pick on a guy who maybe overtakes him, depending on the round or not, but they're a combo, and it works together. To me, that's the, the obvious. I'd be stunned if we reached Saturday of the draft and they had not taken a tight end. One of those first three rounds, it's so deep. Daniel Jeremiah had 11 top three-round grades. 
uh, on tight ends. That's never, I mean, you, most, most years it's five or four go in the first three rounds. There's just so many guys um, that are out there at every level. They'll find one that fits them. So I think you're going to have one of those and then you'll have some kind of a, a veteran come in Moreau's still the most likely. And uh, you know, maybe Wilcox comes back and there you go. Yeah. And just to wrap this up, Paul, um, are there any other areas at the safety position after the double hit of losing Jesse and, and Vaughn, two huge fan favorites, two really good players. Um, it's looking a bit more solid there. Do you expect any more business on the back end um, at all? Uh, here and there. I think the defensive tackle room certainly is one that they've looking for someone to pair with BJ Hill a little bit. And you can find a veteran. Uh, Matt Ioannidis is out there. There's guys like that. I mean, I think that are that are good. Still have some juice in them. Role players that you're not going to ask to play 800 snaps, but you know you're <clears> going to ask to come in and and play 200 to 500 snaps. And and maybe there, if BJ Hill gets hurt for a month, you can you'll have no problem getting by. They don't. They didn't really have a a backup there. They don't have anybody his size that does what he does exactly. Um on the roster. So I think they need, they need to probably find somebody there. And that seems like a likely place. I think there'll be a draft pick in there too, but yeah, I think uh, that's the most likely uh, spot where they go. It's running back, tight end, defensive tackle. It's it's all now, um, you know, guys that want to come and chase a ring a little bit and yeah, yeah, play yeah. for a winner. So um, how, how are you, I don't like doing this, especially at this stage, but I'm not going to ask you to grade free agency so far, but I'm just going to ask you to, to write a bit of a, a midterm teacher's report, maybe. I mean, are you are you quite impressed with how the Bengals have been going in free agency so far? Yeah, I mean, I, I look. What what is this team other than protecting Joe Burrow and letting him win you games? I mean, their mm-hmm. their defense has gotten them to where they've gone the last two years. There's no question. Um, but at a certain point. You have to believe that Luana Rumo can take new pieces and put it together, and they still have a ton of continuity over there, yeah. a ton of it. Uh, so there's no reason to believe they can't still have that, but protect Burrow at all costs. And if you do that with the weapons they still have, you're good. And and they're looking at, I mean, if they if they take um, a right tackle, so I just in our little mock draft just gave them Dewan Jones from Ohio State. They will have their a full, solid, quality, you know, average to elite, depending on how guys play together, mm. offensive line for multiple years in front of Joe Burrow. And this year with Higgins, Chase, and Boyd. So when you have that, you're going to win. You're going to win a lot of games, and you're going to give mm. a chance for Burrow to go get a Super Bowl for this team. So I, I think – Starting there and focusing on that and getting somebody like Orlando Brown to keep your left side solid for a number of years at a very reasonable number is a huge win and a great use of the money that they had to spend. And just before we go, um, I'm probably not going to speak to you again until the season starts. So what what happens to Paul Dana Jr. in the summer? What does what do the Danas do? Oh um, man. Well, we uh let's see, we'll be 
We'll be hitting the hitting the beach. We'll, we go to Michigan every year for the summer. Uh, my I got the, my two girls who are will be six, six and three here by the time summer rolls around. So it's uh we hit the beach, we hit the water, lots of pool time. Um, you know we'll do that. We will uh we'll be all over the place. That's just a lot of a lot of hanging out with the family and things like that. Yeah. So um, the summer is one of the few times where we can kind of relax. We do some some bigger projects on the site. Mm-hmm. Um, it, we did last year, we did that two on two series. Yeah. That was just had tripping. a couple of different people, whether they were within the team, but you can see how interconnectivity and friendships work, which is a lot of fun. We're going to probably reprise that this year with some different people. So um, we, we're, we're kind of all over the place, but yeah, for us, man, it's uh, we're, we're, we're just uh, just a lot of family time at that point. Cause we don't get as much of it during the year. Good stuff. Well, maybe you can catch some baseball. Maybe go and uh, see FC Cincinnati as well. I don't know if you. Yeah, we'll get over there. I'm trying to get so my my daughter. We took I took her to her first uh, soccer match last year, and I mean she's five, so it was like she was into it. She kind of got it, but we went, yeah. and in the in it there were eight goals scored in this particular okay. game to FC Cincinnati. I mean, incredibly exciting stuff. Yeah, I got to see one of them. Because after the first goal, it was decided it is far too loud in here and I want to go home. And so as we're walking home through downtown Cincinnati, all you hear are the roars of other goals reverberating off the buildings while we walk away with our little There's no worse feeling when people leave games early and they hear the roar of the crowd behind them telling them that they've just missed a goal, a touchdown, a a home run or whatever, man. But Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, so that was... Yeah, so that was that was not great. Uh, but but so we're, but we have agreed to try it again. So okay. we're gonna try it again this year. Uh, maybe some headphones in tow. But she did uh, like the she did like the colored smoke. She liked the colored. Smoke. Oh, okay, the orange and blue colored smoke. Trying to the, sell, uh, yeah. Try to try to sell more on that and uh, and less on the fact that it gets very loud when they score yeah. a goal. Okay, cool. Well, whatever you do, Paul, uh, have a good draft season. Enjoy yep. your summer. Always a pleasure, and uh, we'll catch up soon. You got to promise me one thing, though. If uh, uh, okay, if the Bengals end up playing a game in Europe next yep. year, which is possible, we'll find out after the draft. I think it is possible. I genuinely think it's possible this I year. I genuinely think it's possible. I want you guys to have me back on, and just if anything, just so we can start putting in works our plans to uh, hang out and. Uh, have some oh, 100%. I mean, things. that's that's a given. That's absolutely a given. I mean, I, I want to I want to come back. I want to come we back. We actually did a, a podcast recorded in the Admiralty last year or the last time. So um I don't know if you'll be around for that. But yes, of course I'll promise that. And of I course wanna... I will lavish you with alcoholic beverages of different <laughs> different variations. So don't that's worry what it's about it's all about. Okay, Paul, all the best. Thanks for your time. See you. There we go. That's uh, the brilliant Paul Dana Jr. And of course, you can follow him uh, at Paul Dana Jr. on Twitter and uh, read him in The Athletic. And it's well worth it. Some really interesting points from Paul there, as ever. And now it's time to to delve into what you think. Salamander. We are, of course, at Two Day underscore UK on Twitter, Facebook, we are Bengals UK, Instagram, we are Bengals underscore UK. Just subtle changes to our handles on each social media platform just to keep you honest, basically. 
Um, let's see what uh, let's see what you've been saying about free agency. Uh, Matty at Matt Stubby King. Um, I think the team needs to not be stubborn over the Jonah trade request and get what we can, a third or ideally a second, get his salary off the books and pick up uh, 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 pick up the extra pick. It's interesting, isn't it? Because I, um, thinking about this, I thought, right, they've got to get this deal done now because they can work, you know, they can wipe 12 million off or whatever, the, whatever his fifth year extension is worth. And uh, then they can go out and sign a few other players. But as you say... Uh, it's the trouble is you know we're into the third wave now the quality starting to dwindle um, but then I as Paul said you know it's likely to be around the draft that something might happen if it's not the draft they might wipe, they might want to wait until uh, they figure out what's going on with Leo Collins and then there'll be something going on in camp do you know what I mean so I think the saga will run and run um, but we'll see. Uh, Jay Burr at Baguette Disco. Solid handle. There'll be a plan, and I'm happy to trust them with debt pieces. I think the waiver wire pickups like Sharping and Johnston. Who's Johnston? <laughs> Not sure uh, I know who Johnston is. Uh, show that still hoping for a tight end to lead the room ahead of the draft. Uh, I think we're all in agreement with that, Mr. Baguette. Steve Ward at Steve Ward 84. I think we have to be realistic what they've done so far. Solid signings, a couple of gaps, but we all know that this team is going to have to be draft dependent for the next few years if we want to pay all the big contracts to uh, who we already have. I think that's a really good point by Steve. You know, that's yeah. what it's going to be looking like as soon. And I would imagine at the end of next week, after the 31st of March, there will be something going on with Joe Borrow because there's that escrow thing where they, if they announce it before, they have to stick the money into escrow beforehand, like this year. But if they announce it after, then it goes, you know, it gets pushed back to 2024, I believe. Um, Leon Cook at Cook Ra. Um, more protection for Joe. Safety who stays as a safety. Playoff P back. What's not to like so far? Uh, would be good to see a proven tight end in the door. Wouldn't mind if Mixon moved on and we saw a solid running back come in who can pass protect two. Brackets, Zeke, close brackets. Ooh. I'm not sure about Zeke. I don't know, man. Not, no. Northern Bengal at Bengal. Stuart, how realistic is it to believe we lose Bates and Vaughn and don't see a step down in coverage? I think fairly unrealistic as I've as we've been talking about earlier, um, Stu. Uh, but the hope is they will get up to speed. You know, again, they're working with good people and good coaches, so you'd hope that, you know, um, they look the business. And I'm actually really looking forward to seeing Tyson Anderson, seeing what he can do. But I I would imagine they... I mean, there was rumours of them bringing in another safety. I still think they, I still think something's going to happen at safety in the draft as well, to be honest. Do, do you know what I would say as well, though? Just the one thing to caution here a little bit is as good as Joe Burrow is and as good as that Bengals offence is, there's so many times over the last two seasons, probably more so than, you know, the not, that that defence has bailed us out. Yeah, time, yeah, yeah, time yeah, 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 yeah. 
and it's been fantastic. And I know Jermaine Pratt really stepped up last year and took his game to a new level and got him back. And like you said, we're pretty much keeping most of the the D line. There hopefully will be a piece or two brought in for that, and you might draft there as well. So you, you'd expect that to be better. Cornerback, there's not going to be too much of a drop off, you'd hope. But you do just have to, you know, Von Bell and Jesse Bates are a core part of that defence. You know, both of them playing at a oh, really absolutely high agree. level. Absolutely, they were brilliant. Like just, you know, if it's all well and good sitting there and saying, "Go on, then Joe Boy and Jamal Chase go and you know pitch a 30, 40 point game and win it for us," but a lot of the time, especially in the playoffs, that the, the defence was the team carrying us, and they were, you know, they were stopping teams and they were winning the ball back, forcing big turnovers. I, I, not not to be, you know, sort of piss on the parade a bit, but the offence at times, is, like I said, especially in the playoffs, both years really kind of stop, start, bit, you know, sort of oh, not not a lot. And but as you said, as as Paul said though, no, I agree. And and who was, I mean, who played, who who took their games to the next level in the playoffs for the past two yeah, years? Yeah, well, exactly. It was Bates yeah, and Bell who made the crucial exactly. plays. It was Von Bell an interception yeah. in the AFC Championship game. Um, yeah. strip sacks whatever it might be fumble Je- yeah, Jesse you know. Bates first player of the game against the Titans set you up with some good yeah. field position interception you know, there's in the no Super way Bowl. you win that there's no way you win that Titans game without that defensive effort the Mike Hill no. and the Jesse Bates no, you know you, you, yeah. you, you know you possibly Von Bell drops that pick against the Chiefs they've got the ball they're driving you know you, you don't know where that goes so yeah as no, it, is, it is a worry but that's the NFL right there's you know players move on players come in gotta sign new players and you know they're sticking yeah. rigidly as paul said to their to their kind of budgets and hoping to find the next cheeto hoping to find the next yeah. mike hilton or whatever you know so well do you know what it is as well just quickly the offense has just got to play and this is a bit of a ridiculous thing to say but the offense has got to play better next year and i, th- and I don't and i know that sounds silly because they're really good you know it's a top five offense yeah i know up, what you mean obviously, but it almost just needs to take that step forward you you're going to pay joe burrow astronomical amounts of money because you think he's the best quarterback or the top two quarterback in the league. So he's got to play like, he's got to play at crazy numbers, two, three, four, five picks maybe next year, you know. And I know it seems a bit mad, but it's like, we can't just be sort of, you know, patting ourselves on the back that finally we've got an upgrade on Andy Dalton. It's like, no, 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 this geezer and Jamal Chase and, you know, whoever's at running back and whoever we get a time, these guys have got to go out there and be a top two or three offense next year because yeah, yeah, yeah. you know you are going to take a bit of a step back on defense and you know they they might not be able to you know bail you out as much so ho- hopefully and I, I mean it's, it's harsh because the guys on offense have been fantastic for the most part but i am just saying like you know give joe burrow a proper off season he's not had to really in his last two no, years fair point. the injury and the appendix um surgery so if you give him a proper off season and you know, get him up to speed fairly quickly. You know, you cut out those four interceptions on week one against the Steelers, for example, and, you know, maybe it's a different story. But I, I do think, you know, it is on the offense there to take another step forward. Either you cannot rest on just being a sort of top five offense. They've got to just go No, for and the you look at the competition. The Browns are making exactly. some good signs. The, the Steelers have been quite active in free agency. Uh, as I say, look at the Texans, you look at what Miami's doing, uh, San Francisco, etc., etc. You can't rest on your laurels. But but as Paul said, you know, the signing of Orlando Brown signifies that we're going to try and keep Joe Burrow as upright as possible. I mean, yeah, he's could be the missing link. And, and well, we'll see what happens at right tackle. Right. Cartoon Steve Bold at Cartoon Boldy. Um, 
The brown deal is the silver lining. The cloud is losing Bell, P. Ryan and Hurst. They're on plan B or C or D at safety, running back and tight end, as well as needing more secondary depth and clarity at right tackle. Can't fix all of that with Nick Scott and draft picks. Is Williams a domino to fall? I agree with that. Once the Williams situation gets sorted out, I think things will start to fall you, fall into place. But when that will be, I do not know. Do you think the Bengals trade him though, son? You think he's on the? Do you think Jonah Williams is on this roster week one? Oh God, that's a really good point. If he's not, that means Leo Collins is fit, and Leo Collins is more of a natural. Right tackle. But as Paul said, it's unlikely for them both to be on the roster. So it's just, you've got to choose who you want. I'll, as underwhelmed as I was with um, with Leo Collins last year, he's the more natural fit at right tackle. So Injury though, isn't he? Well, he has, but that's what I mean. If they, de- if they deem that he's fit, then, um, oh, it's a tricky one, man. Because that's what I think that's what they signed Cody Ford for, and I'm not sure if I like it or not. But I wouldn't be surprised to see him starting uh, week one at right tackle. Well, I don't. I don't think you're wrong, but it's slightly nervous. Oh yeah, I know. I know. Uh, Paul at Picard Burns. I started to understand the game and how it's played. So without wanting to sound a bit dull on the money stroke player side, is free agency like the football transfer market? How does the franchise tag work against a player? And how much is the salary cap overall, and does it go up year on year? Um, Paul, I'm going to send you a private message uh, because a few years ago we asked a cap uh, expert, Andre Perotta, to come on and explain the cap, basically, explain how it all works. So I'll send you a private message, uh, Paul, and uh, send you the link to that episode. How about that? To give you a Manico Solido after the Andre Perotta. Uh, exactly, Manico Solido. Again, I'm sounding Spanish when I say it. Jesus. Uh, Chris Roberts at 1066. Chris, getting to the stage that I almost don't care if Foster Moreau signs for us or not. I just want him to make a decision. That said, who do you think will be our, be our tight end one? Moreau, a rookie, a re-signed Wilcox or someone else? And how much, uh, how much does... Uh, a tight end matter to the offense. That's. I mean, we've been through the first bit. How much does a tight end matter to our offense? I mean, I think I, it I matters. Think it really, I think it really does, and I think Joe Burrow likes using the tight end. And I actually think you've got incredible production out of two pretty average tight ends, with no disrespect to either of them. You know, I don't think athletically that either CJ Uzama or Hayden Hurst are, you know, perhaps as good as a lot of the tight ends out there. I think Hayden Hurst is better than CJ Uzama. Uh, Uzama. And I think you look at what CJ Uzama did last year in New York, granted in a difficult situation, but it sort of maybe looks at, you know, the Bengals did quite well out of that in terms of not paying him the money he wanted. But I no disrespect to Mitchell Wilcox, but if he's going in as our tight end week one, I'm I'm very disappointed in that because he's not a starting tight end for a team like ourselves that wants to be trying to win the Super Bowl. You know, if he's a if he's a depth piece as our third tight end, I don't mind it. But you know, if he's if he's seriously coming in as tight end one, we've got some we've got some problems. Peter Dadswell at Dadders. Uh, free agency is nowhere near complete. It's also just one part of the off-season puzzle. I have every confidence that when re- recruitment through free agency draft and UDFAs is concluded, we will again have a strong and young roster ready to compete. Uh, I wholeheartedly agree, 
this is one step in the process. People put too much onto it. It's almost like, you know, you want your team to sign a shitload of players just to brag about it on Twitter with other fans. You know what I mean? It is it, one it, it, step it, of the process. Yeah. Draft it has coming become a up. bit like the transfer window in, you know, English football, soccer, yeah. where you're screaming for your team to spend a lot of money. And actually, most of the time, just like almost in NFL free agency as well, you go out and spend 100 million on a player or whatever. And yeah. it rarely works the way you hope it does. But unlike, so. unlike our football transfer window, NFL free agency kind of stretches out through the summer. And in, you know what I mean? And there's a deadline eventually, obviously. But. You know, it's it is just one part of the process, and it's the draft coming up, and then roster cuts, and then you know other things going on. It is just one part of the process. Rob Hill at surely this season, solid handle. He's back. Uh, mm, not sure yet, says Rob. I think we are uh, in general a little bit weaker than last year, but that might change if we sign a tight end in free agency. Line is better, but the depth. Uh, but is the depth better if injuries occur like last year? I want free agency to have allowed us to go BPA in the draft, and it still might, Rob. You know, there's still time. You know, I think we're still, you know, who knows where they're going to go in the draft. And, of course, we will be starting up, uh, cranking up our draft preview episodes. I'll tell you I'll tell you where the Bengals are going in the draft, son. I guarantee it right on this podcast right now, just to say right. another month of guessing cornerback okay I'll hold you to that we'll see Thursday sorry Tuesday the 21st of March Nathan Palmer says cornerback uh, in the draft right last line of defence at Kieran underscore Barmer I'm wary about going to the draft with what feels like needs at several positions tight end running back uh, right tackle slam dunk at slam dunk the funk solid end be nice to land Moreau and that would be a solid free agency. Plenty of time to work on the other missing pieces via the draft and roster cuts. From a divisional standpoint, want to see what happens with Lamar Jackson, as it will have big implications. On yeah, the it's a good North. point. It's a very good point. Good point, there, Duncan, my old son. Jamie at Trekwart B said, the Bengals would get worse this off-season, but I'm worried about how worse they have got in several places. Need instant reinforcements for tight end and cornerback. In the tertiary uh, free agency market, not having as many draft picks as usual may also harm us. Well, we'll see. If we trade uh, Jonah away, there's a little bit of draft capital there to play with. Might get a pick or two, third or something like that in this year's I draft. Think, I think the Bengals have got at least one fairly big move up their sleeve. And when I say a big move, you know, someone sort of in that sort of, you know, like sort of right like two three wave type of a player to come in maybe someone on the d line or someone like that to come in and just give a bit of depth there um I, they've definitely got a sign or two in them i think they have to sign a tight end i just didn't i don't think you can go to the draft with no one on that roster and i think no, well, to got... be completely honest with you like even if you said an Irv smith i mean he's not a world beater by any means, but it gives you something to pair with a sort of yes. fairly high rookie and it put pressure on you to get a rookie at least in the second round. But yeah. I think if you get Foster Moreau, I think it was a good point made earlier about opening the draft up. Foster Moreau is a good tight end. You could go into next year with him and Mitchell Wilcox in theory and then a third round, you know, tight end or yeah. a second round tight end. I'd be very, very happy with that. Foster Moreau is a good player. I'm really looking forward to hearing you pronounce one particular tight end's name in the draft. 
Do you know what I'm talking about? The draft. I feel like this is going to be a uh, maybe not next week, but the week after it, the the, oh. the first episode of the month of April. How about that? Okay, sounds fantastic. Um, let's finish things off with Mega Farter at Mega Farter B. Shocking handle. I'm a bit sorry, Scott. I'm trying, man. I'm a bit anxious that we're going to miss out on a decent tight end. We need an experienced one to go with the draft pick. Hopefully, Laporta. Uh, not bothered about missing out on Gaziki as he can't block, but I really hope that Moreau chooses us over New Orleans. Uh, obviously, delighted with Orlando. Who isn't? I love. Orlando, I must say, I think he's got a really engaging personality. Did you see him on the press conference? He seems like a really good fella and good fun and pretty smart, apart from... <laughs> apart from... <laughs> he revealed that during uh, his interview with Marvin Lewis at the Combine, uh, he asked him what the capital of Spain was, and he said Portugal. <laughs> Marvin Lewis, was it true that Marvin Lewis came back and said that was bollocks on Twitter? Well, he didn't say it was bollocks. He said, oh, actually, he did say it was bullshit. He said, because yeah, yeah. Ben Baby tweeted, that, tweeted yeah. it out, our old friend Ben. And uh, Marvin got back and said, Ben Baby, that is bullshit. Check your facts. Uh, well, he said BS, but, you know, BS stands for bullshit. Um, but, of course, he did actually say that in the interview. Um so um, I thought I might give you a little capitals test, Nathan. Um, you're you're a you're a you're a you're a uh, excuse me. Uh, you're a you're a <laughs> you're a you're a traveller, aren't you, Nathan? Well, yeah, I guess so. All right, I'll give you ten, right, and then if you get over seven, I'll buy you a pint next time I see you. Right, Croatia. Should know this one. Is Zagreb correct? Uh, let's have a look. Hungary, Budapest, um, Latvia, <sighs> Riga. Oh no, no, no sweat for Palmer here. Um, North Macedonia, Skopje. Oh, four out of four. Look at this. Well, let's try and up the ante a little bit. Spain. <laughs> Madrid. Right. Um Ooh, Brazil. Brasilia. Oh, six of six. Okay. I'm not mucking about now. Uh French Guyana. <laughs> That's not even an official country. Yeah, it is. It's not. It is. Oh, Alright, let's go with uh Alright, let's go with Haiti. Oh, Port-au-Prince. Oh, he's done it. He's earned the point. Let's see if we can get 10 out of 10. Um, let's go to Asia, shall we? Ooh, the Maldives. Oh, Malay. Oh, this is too easy for, for him. Turkmenistan. Oh, Dushanbe. No, that's Tajikistan. Ah. It's Ashgabat. Ah. And finally, uh, Montenegro. Uh, Podgorica. Oh, nine out of ten. Look at that. That's fantastic work. You earned not yourself a, random, a, not a random segment of the podcast. Well, why not? Why not? We like to educate as much as uh, 
as we do annoy people. Anyway, that's your lot for this week. Thank you so much to Paul Dana Jr. Uh, as ever, always a treat to catch up with him. And hopefully, as he suggested, if uh, the Bengals do get announced uh, as one of the London games this year, we'll get Paul on and uh, he can preview that with us, hopefully. But uh, stand by your beds. Hopefully there's going to be more action this week. Hopefully that tight end, that elusive tight end will come to pass and uh, we can uh, we can tick another position off the list, feel it, breathe a little easier, but we'll see. Uh, but until next week, uh, I will say to you, it's a who day from me. And a who day from me. Cheers, guys.
And it should also be noted that the views and opinions expressed within this podcast do not reflect those of the Cincinnati Bengals organisation.